0: This week on the Off the Crossbar podcast, Brett Hickey will play his first game in almost a year as the Philadelphia Wings head down to Georgia. Riley O'Connor and the Black Wolves invade Saskatel Centre, looking to go 2-0. Dane Doby's going to be out until February, and are the San Diego Seals going outside? All that more on OTCB. Good lacrosse fans, and welcome to another edition of the Off the Crossbar podcast here on SoundCloud and NLL Radio, the Lacrosse Flash, and Spotify. My name's Teddy Jenner. You can find me on Twitter at Off the Crossbar. There's an E on the end of cross, lacrosse show, lacrosse pun. Let's keep up with the fun. You can also email me, teddy.jenner at gmail.com. And this was a very... Very interesting week. And we're going to get into some of it. We don't need to go too deep into it because we need to move on and focus on what is next in the National Lacrosse League, And that is a big weekend of Weekend 3. Also, Game of the Weeks announced by the National Lacrosse League. We'll touch base on that as well. But first, I would like all of us in the lacrosse world, love to send my condolences one more time to Chris Gill and his entire family uh, with the passing of his father, and Gill. and Gill was the first guy I really ever interviewed about a lacrosse story when I was in radio school, but I've known Soin since 92, I think, when Chris and my brother Fred played on the Team Canada Under-19s together. That was when I believe I first met someone that I can recall. And ever since then, he, is, he was just an incredible human being, full of life, always willing to talk and tell a story and reminisce and keep you updated on everything that was going on in the lacrosse world. But he was such a proud father, a proud grandfather, an incredible, incredible human being. And he will be greatly missed, And I know Saturday night in Vancouver will be a very emotional night for Chris Gill and his family, as ironically, it's a celebration of First Responders Night for the Warriors, Chris and his father, firefighters. So it'll be a very emotional night. But again, our condolences to Chris and his entire family in what has to be a very tough time. We all love you, and we're all here thinking about you. Week two in the National Lacrosse League did happen. Uh, I was in Portland, so missed much of it. By the way, if you can ever get to Portland, get to Portland. I was at the home, or the former home of the Portland Lumberjacks, watching the Lakers dismantle the Trailblazers, and I just loved reminiscing about old Dallas Elliott highlights and not being able to score on them. And some of the best uniforms the National Lacrosse League ever saw one of the best names they ever had and a market I'd love to see him go back because they had eight or 9,000 fans there pretty much every night and they loved them some lumberjacks. And Portland was a great city. I had a wonderful time. Again, if you ever get there, go there. Please try Fogo de Ch- Fogo de Chow. It is a Brazilian steakhouse where they essentially walk around with spigots of 17 different cuts of meat, pork, chicken, steak, filet mignon, rib eyes, chicken wings, like everything. What a great time, had a blast. Highly recommend, go back if you can. So I didn't see a lot of the action uh, that happened this past weekend. But obviously much of the tale in the National Lacrosse League right now is the Dane Dobie suspension. The league has moved on from this in their eyes. They have dealt with it personally. Swiftly, I might say, and to a direct point. Essentially saying it happened. We're not going to tell people what happened because, in their minds, it's nobody's business. It's something they can move on from. And I know that's made a lot of people upset because they would like to know. But more importantly, With contact to the PLPA in the past couple days, we had talked about um, their thoughts about it and are they going to appeal? And we have found out that the PLPA will not appeal the suspension. So if you really think about it, I'm going to go off on a a side note here in a minute, but when you really think about it, the National Cross League felt that this was something they needed to act on swiftly, justly, and to the fullest extent of the law in their opinion. And after talking with everybody involved, they made that decision, talking with the PLPA and the PLPA talking with their people, they have decided to not move ahead with the appeal process, which is unheard of, I believe. I don't remember the PLPA ever not appealing a player suspension, which leads you and many to believe that what has been alleged did indeed happen. Now, we all know it wasn't something physical because Dane Doby didn't get a match penalty. He got a gross penalty. So again, we can kind of infer and read between the lines that what was said was said. And... It doesn't take much to think about what things he could have said to get him in this hot water. Not going to speculate. But for both sides to agree that this is the case, this is the ruling, and we're going to stick with it, is kind of shocking. And I know people are a little upset that the repeat offender is too many games. And remember... That rule was put in place to deter headshots and dirty hits. So this is something that's completely the opposite of that. And so I think that's where some people have an issue with the repeat offender because Dane Dobie's second offense was a face mask, and this is polar opposite. And I can get that. I think... Maybe if they ever get around to it, a sliding scale of three to five games, depending on what the repeat offense is, could be worked out, because I know people all feel that six games is too much, and now Dane Doby won't be in the Roughnecks lineup till February, and he's going to be missing that much lacrosse, and he's going to be losing that much of a paycheck. Well, you know what? In this day and age, people, we cannot be using ridiculous words at others. We have to be mindful of what we're saying. Whether the words you are using are truthful or you're just trying to be hurtful or you're just trying to say something because that's in your lexicon, stop it. Get those words out of your mouths. Stop saying them. They are not needed in any shape or form in the way you are trying to use them. And if you're going to use that kind of speech and rhetoric, then you know what? You deserve it because you it makes no sense to be saying things like that. It's ridiculous. In the National cross League, sure, they may be a little more forthcoming with saying somebody said something But they never tell you what they said. So we don't need to know what was said. Something was said. It was heard. In this day and age, you cannot say that kind of thing. So Dane Doby is out until February. And he will serve a six-game suspension. It's a huge loss for not only the Roughnecks, but the National Lacrosse League. But again, in this day and age, you cannot be using that kind of mindset to say those kind of things, heat of the battle or not. You could have said, or he could have said, anything he wanted. But to string words together that have no place in the sports world, And I know it is prevalent in our day and age because I hear it as a coach. And anytime I hear it as a coach, my players hear it from me and learn that they are not allowed to say those kind of things. Race, gender, sexuality preference, whatever. Stop it. Stop it. It has no place in our game or in sports. Week three in the National Lacrosse League is on deck. And we finally get to see the Philadelphia Wings. I'm excited because Paul Day realized in year one that they didn't do a good enough job. They were close. They lost a lot of one-goal games. But I think he realizes that he did what he could with what he had, but he probably in some areas could have had some better pieces. Didn't hurt that they lost Brett Hickey game three. The hope now is that they can have him for a full 18, pair him with Courier, Matisse in transition, the big cat Kevin Crowley, and that left side with Rambo, Blaze, Charbonneau running transition, and the ever- faithful hands of Corey Vitarelli, who just came over in free agency, the Wings have a different look on offense. And if they can get their defense to play 15% better than they did last year and get the goaltending that they needed last year from Zach Higgins this year, he wasn't there last year, obviously. They've made improvements all over the floor. And this could be a great turnaround for the Philadelphia Wings, although they are in a very tough spot with the Georgia swarm being in their division, but they're going to get a real test right out of the gate. They head down to Georgia this weekend. Brett Hickey is playing in his first game in over a year after that ankle injury. It's been a long road back for Brett Hickey, but Saturday night he finally steps back on the floor with the Philadelphia wings.
1: I've been, uh, to tell everybody at work that I got the mush brain this week because I'm just uh just so stoked about uh about getting back on the floor and, and playing a, a meaningful game but uh really really excited to get to get back with the boys and uh and get a season off to uh to a good start
2: Paul Day your head coach has said that you guys have had a really strong camp really competitive and you guys are fired up and ready to go how have you created a nice chemistry with that offense this year you know what? I think
1: it's just everybody's holding each other accountable we uh you know, we we set a pretty high standard for ourselves uh, as a, as a team and as an offensive group, and um, it's all about kind of kind of beating to to the sound of one one drum, right? So it's uh, um, it's been very important that uh, we all kind of establish not only our roles but uh, understand each other's roles and 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 hold each other accountable
2: to to what's expected of, uh, from the group. Have you create a bit of a chemistry with the big cat and Josh Currier? yeah you know those guys are those guys are so talented that
1: uh they're very very easy to play with very smart players and uh i can't wait to uh to see what we can do together
2: last year you only factored into three games with the wings after they selected you second or sorry first overall in the expansion draft how tough was it to sit out most of that year last year uh it was uh it was it was
1: it was very tough season um you know it. uh to be to be completely honest, it was it was more mentally tough than than the physical aspect of it. The physical stuff, uh, it is what it is and you kinda have a pretty good program moving forward. But um the toughest part was uh was the mental side of things and I uh you know probably didn't make it easy for, for the wife at home, but, uh, it, it, it was, it was, it was hard, you know, it's, uh, it's something that I was really looking forward to being part of an expansion team and, and rebuilding, uh, rebuilding Philly and, and, uh, you know, the great franchise that it once was and being a part of that growth and, and, uh, in the team that we had, it, it, it sucked to be, uh, to be sitting on the sidelines and, and just, uh, watching from, from the comfort of my, of my couch. Um, you know, it was really, really hard to see that, but, uh, here we are this year um and uh you know the the growth that that comes in the learning, the learning that uh, that happens with uh you know tough situations like that uh you, you can't measure so um taking kind of what I have learned and what i uh, was able to watch and see and hoping to
2: uh to instill some of uh, some of that stuff into into this group here this year, you've unfortunately had a few foot injuries over the years, does that weigh on you as you started the year, do you try to put that behind you and just focus? On being as healthy as possible. Yeah, the focus has just been just being as healthy as I as I possibly can be.
1: It's uh, you know that's been the priority since since day one. You know I didn't play any summer ball this year for, for that for that very reason, and making sure that all aspects are uh, are good. You know my training my training uh, regimen has definitely shifted um, from what it used to be. Just kind of sh- having that mindset change in terms of you know about making the body feel good and be healthy as opposed to and uh you know that's that's kind of the approach i took this year and you know it was it kind of weighing on me kind of heading into camp uh maybe a little bit i'd probably be lying if i said i wasn't thinking about it at all but as soon as you kind of take the first crack in and
2: you kind of get in the swing of things, you, you really forget about it you you, you say you kind of changed your regiment what's been the biggest focus for you in the offseason to make sure that your body's ready to go for me
1: for me it was just making sure that my body was was mobile it's uh yeah. you know i I've I've committed to really making sure that my body feels good, um, more than more than anything else and, and that goes more around uh, kind of the, the maintenance of your body work, you know, the massage and the stretch and the, the physiotherapy that kind of goes into ensuring that your body is, is functional to be able to, to move the way it needs to come game day and that's been more of the, the focus. Obviously, you know, it's you're in the gym, you're you're hitting hitting some of the weights and you're you're doing um you know, you're, you're doing your, your cardio and your your sprints to make sure that you're game ready. But for me, it's been less about making, having impact on my body making it feel sore. It's been more about making it feel good. And some of that's been more shifting away from, from weight and more banded workouts and um, having more of that kind of physiotherapy and massage regimen more than anything else.
2: Do you think you kind of went, I don't, I don't know if this is the right way, but you went too big too soon with the weight? But I know in your early days, you worked with Louis up a lot and he was a, a huge gym guy that always focused on kind of getting bigger and stronger and faster. Do you think you put too much pressure on your body? That's kind of why it broke down a little bit. Yeah, I do. I, I honestly
1: do. Like I think, you know, what Melissa was able to kind of do to really kind of put me in the mindset that I needed to be um, and needed to have in terms of the way I approached it mentally. And I still approach it the same way, but I think what has become more important has changed where I actually just truly like lifting weights and lifting heavy and, Becoming stronger, I just enjoyed that aspect of it, and um, in the in the long run, it probably broke down my body um, probably quicker than it would have if I was kind of focused on on more important things at the time. So I think the the mentality that um, was instilled and that I learned through through guys like Lewis uh, is stuff that I still that I still hold on to and approach to every day. Um, but the the importance of that maintenance and, and making sure the body feels good and um, that kind of preventative injury type uh, um, workouts are, are, are much more important than uh, than kind of the the latter. You know, you don't need to put five percent on on of more weight on a on a bench press or a squat or a, or a clean. You need to be able to make sure that you're you're moving um, efficiently for for 60 minutes of a lacrosse game, and, and that's kind of where my focus has shifted.
2: When you have to sit out the majority of a season you have to sit at home and you have to watch. What do you focus on as a player? What tendencies are you kind of looking for to learn as you prepare for a new season?
1: Uh, for me, it's, it's always been kind of looking at obviously um, the better players in the league, obviously as an offensive guy, you, you, you know, you focus on a, on a group of players that you think, uh, you know, are, are better, obviously better than you. You can learn from the tendencies that they, that they go through that, um and things that they do that you can kind of bring to your own game look at your own weaknesses and see kind of where other players might excel that you can kind of look to uh to improve upon um but predominantly it's, it's kind of more focused around um my team and you know where where certain things uh were we're good that I need to make sure that I'm amplifying when I come back into the lineup, and where maybe we were we were falling short or a little bit weaker and, and maybe I can kind of instill some of the the strengths that I bring in my game to to help boost our our offense on on areas that they you know they, they maybe were a little bit uh, weak um, going, going into it, so those are the kind of things that I try and, and dissect when I'm I'm watching the game.
2: How far has this team come? Uh, in the one year since expansion last year? Because, you know, you've been around it since the beginning. You've, you've been with that club now for this preseason, getting ready for a new season. How far has this group come in the year since the Wings have been back in the national process? Uh Unbelievable.
1: The, the growth that we've kind of gone through um, is something I haven't seen before. I've, I've been a part of mostly veteran, veteran groups. Last year we were uh, a much younger team. But what I'll say about this group that uh, that probably outweighs most that most groups that I've been a part of is that the, the closeness of the, of the guys that we have in that locker room is probably one of the best dress rooms I've ever been a part of. And um, it goes to not only just how, you know the, the teammates you have and then, you know liking to be around your teammates and all that stuff, but it, it more goes around to the professionalism that everybody um, comes comes with every each and every week. And you know the the goal is a championship, and and we believe we have a group that culturally can get there. and um, you know, as a young group last year, I think there was a lot of learning curves. You know, I think we lost eight games by two goals or less, and there's a lot. There's a lot that comes with uh, a lot of learning that comes with with stuff like that. You know, where you're in games, and you just can't seem to get over that hump. And I think this team um, is is just ready to explode onto the scene and uh, and make tremendous leaps that uh, that probably most people aren't predicting
2: you guys have had the luxury maybe of, of sitting out the first couple of weeks. I'm sure you guys would have liked to start kind of right away, but now that you've watched the first couple of weeks of the season, what have you seen from around the league that may make you even more excited about Saturday night? Just getting involved. You know, I, I
1: think, I think if anything, uh, you know it, it it enabled our guys to watch some lac- some meaningful lacrosse and just kind of froth the melts and chomp at the bit to, to get going um you know uh, obviously in playing georgia we we got to see them play rochester and um see kind of what uh you know they're bringing to the table and how we can prepare for them but I think more than anything else it's uh it, it's it's going to allow our guys to really oh like i really want <laughs> I really wanna kind of get going right and um it, it's just gonna create uh, an intensity out of the gate that even though we're on the road, guys are going to be hitting the floor running and, and just super focused and, and dialed in for a frame one.
2: Is 50 goals within your reach again?
1: I mean, I, I, uh, I would like to hope so. Um, you know, for me, it's not what's important. I haven't won a championship yet. And um, if they need me to score 50 in order to, to do that, then that's what I'm prepared to do. I think the, the ability is there. I think we have, a team that, uh, we have a team that, you know, you have to prepare for, all seven of us on the floor. You can't just prepare for, for one or two, and um, if that doesn't happen and we win the championship, that's more than more than enough for me.
0: There is Brett Hickey of the Philadelphia Wings. Crazy to think is the only player in Rock history to score 50 goals in a season. But he did it, and while he thinks that there are still 50 goals in a season left in that stick he'd rather his team be successful. And I think a lot of people in that Wings organization would love to see the success not only for the team, but for Brett as well, because as mentioned, it's been a long road to recovery for the former junior B Windsor player who was part of the Vancouver Stealth's early days. Sorry, the Washington Stealth's early days. And it was interesting hearing him talk about those early days when working with Lewis Ratcliffe and kind of trying to model his game after Lewis, but both on and off the floor, and how a lot of that took its toll on his body, and he's had to learn to scale it back and just focus on suppleness and flexibility and quickness rather than size and strength. So great to see Hickey back. Great to talk to him again. It's been a while since we've caught up, so I wish him nothing but the best this year with the Philadelphia Wings. As mentioned, the Wings play the Georgia Swarm Saturday, one of four games on the National Lacrosse League Week 3 schedule. And if you did not hear the news, every week the National Lacrosse League will have a game of the week. And the game of the week this week is Saskatchewan hosting the New England Black Wolves. So, you can watch it live domestically on BR Live and worldwide on Twitter and Facebook. So, great news for lacrosse fans all across the globe. You can watch one game for free each and every week. But you know what? Head on over to BR Live. Get yourself that season subscription because you want to be able to watch your team and your favorite players whenever, wherever, whether the game of the week or not. Ryan Flaherty, Jake Elliott will have the call from SaskTel Center. We'll hear from Riley O'Connor of the Black Wolves momentarily. But if you follow Steve Govett on social media, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, you'll notice that over the past few months, he's put out a couple tweets that have said something akin to, hey, Seals Lacks, how about a game here? Well, everybody kind of was, ooh, what's he talking about? What are you teasing, Steve? And obviously, as we know, things that Steve teases usually come to fruition. And now his San Diego Seals will be playing a game in Vegas, but it also sounds like they're trying to work with the Marine Corps at Miramar as well. And I believe... It's an Air Force base. I'm pretty sure Mr. Govett had put out a picture of him at an Air Force base saying, maybe we should play here. How cool is this going to be? I mean, seriously, an outdoor game? Ooh. I just had a thought. Maybe there's like, because I know that UFC in the past used to do like Fight for the Soldiers events, and it was in covered tents or little buildings probably where they like hangers. So they might be able to build a stadium in there, a little seating in there, but they could do it outdoors as well. WWE holidays for the salute to the soldiers style and just have a game for all the soldiers. That would be legit. I'm super excited about this. I know it's just a tease. We don't know all the details, Uh, Maybe as you listen to this on Friday, it's already been announced. But it does look like something is coming to fruition with the SEALs and the Marine Corps. I'm super jazzed about it. I cannot wait. Everything Steve Govett touches turns to gold in some way, shape, form, or another. And this is just another example of that. He and the SEALs continue to push the envelope and continue to take the National Lacrosse League to places it's never been before. So uh, super stoked about this, really interested to see what the final product of this is and how they set this all up, whether it is indoors or whether it is outdoors and how many flybys there's going to be and are there going to be F-15 Tomcats along the boards? Like, let's be honest, the ball drop from Mach 1. It's going to be interesting. We teased Rush Black Wolves when we talked about the game of the week. Black Wolves coming in at 1-0, Rush 1-0. And oddly enough, in the three times that they've played since becoming the Black Wolves and becoming the Saskatchewan Rush, New England has a 2-1 series lead. And the one game that Saskatchewan won was a couple years ago, and I think there was 41 goals in that game. It was like 24-17. It was an absolute shootout, one of the highest scoring games in league history. But the Black Wolves, I think, are a team not a lot of people give enough credit to. They're incredibly talented, and I think I'm one of those people that needs to eat a little bit of crow because I didn't think Dougie Jameson had it in him, but the way he played in Game 1 against the Toronto Rock was very impressive. That is a very high-powered offense that the Rock boast, and Dougie J held his ground, played his angles, and was one of his best performances of his career if he can continue that against an even more high-powered offense of the Saskatchewan rush, we have to start thinking that the Wolves are early on the real deal. Riley O'Connor is one of those Wolves who looks to go 2-0 to start the season. He's been with the Black Wolves since coming over from Calgary in a trade a few years ago and he's really fitting quite nicely into Glenn Clark's system. He Riley is enjoying playing for Glenn Clark, the professor and coming off that big win in Toronto, the black wolves looking to keep momentum going forward after a strong 60 minutes.
3: It was, it was huge. I think that kind of that game, a total team win sets the tone for the year. And, um, we, we, we played, uh, all three phases really well. And, um, Again, total team effort, so it was great to set the tone and, and get off on the right foot.
2: And you get to do it in front of the hometown fans. You're a Toronto guy. You grew up in the GTA area. How special is it to be able to come back to your hometown, friends, families, all want tickets, come in as the visitors, and kind of steal a win from the hometown club?
3: Yeah, I think that's especially what, what, what means the most to me, is just getting the opportunity to uh, play in front of so many uh, close friends and, and family. And and hopefully make them proud and, and just the opportunity for them to be there live means so much. And obviously the wind makes it a little sweeter. So um, it, it was a
2: great uh, experience. You guys fall down two nothing in, in the first minute. Is there any panic on that bench or, or does the professor have you guys pretty dialed in? We are pretty dialed in. I mean, I, I'm yeah, not going to lie, going down to nothing um,
3: before we kind of even really touched the ball. I think it, it did ramp up our urgency in that, but again, we, we settled in. Um and just stuck to the game plan and, and really competed
2: hard and, and played as a team and again it, it paid off. This is a club that, that's been on the verge of kind of breaking out in the N O L East division now with three divisions the the chances of making the playoffs become that much tighter. What does this team look forward to this year as a biggest goal? Again, I think every year
3: it's it's the ultimate goal and in in the champions cup, um and that but I think just breaking it down game by game, um, continually on our own, finding ways to to improve and get better. And, again, our, our coaches, our GM uh, have put together a roster on, on paper that's obviously pretty legit, and uh, we, we really believe in our group. So now it's just about go out and learning it every day.
2: How nice was it to see Dougie Jameson play a very, very solid game between the pipes and get a win under his belt to start the year?
1: Yeah, it was it was great to see.
3: You know, I, I think he, again he was obviously awarded uh, our kind of team team MVP of the game, which he, he deservedly uh earned. And again, I, I think we're he, he's the backbone of this team and, and I one hundred percent believe that, that he's got got the ability to take us there. I think this is gonna be a breakout year for him and he's gonna show everyone just how great he is.
2: Your first this is your second time last year that you played all eighteen games, you had a career high across the board, how do you carry that momentum into this season?
3: I think just continuing to put the work in. A lot of it's done outside the uh outside uh on my own, um, with, with going to the gym, eating right, um, living a good lifestyle, putting in that prep work and then just going out and, and playing kind of off my teammates. I think they're the ones who I kind of almost the credit to, they kinda of, put me in good uh, situations to, to succeed. So continuing to buy into the team system and,
2: and, and again, good things happen when you work hard. You've got Jordan Derson on that left side with you and Stefan LeBlanc. How has he changed the way that you guys play? Because he's a very dynamic player.
3: Yeah. I, I think the biggest thing with him is just, his unselfishness, how much he does a lot of little things that that open up the floor for for myself and and everyone on our offense. Right, it's he's tough to play against. He's very smart. He's physical. He he can do it all really. So it's it's great being able to play with him because he's he is so easy to play with. So it's definitely a welcome addition to our group.
2: And the rookie Andrew Q. How would you grade his first ever pro game? Yeah, it's tough to to
3: kind of crack in this league, and I thought he did yeah. a great job. And uh, um, again, he can he can beat you in so many different ways, inside, outside. So I, I think our whole offense is just we love playing with one another, um, all unselfish guys, um, and, and just willing to do what it takes to win. And again, I thought we had a great game up front, and
2: uh, that that paid off. You to Saskatchewan this weekend and you've played them fairly well over the past years. What do you think it is that allows you guys to match up against the rush? They're a great team. So uh, I know
3: we kind of caught them early in, in the season last year and um, getting them again early in this year, which is great. It kind of is a measuring stick up against, again, they're always up there with, with one of the top, if not the top teams in the league. So um, we're looking forward to the challenge. It's, it's going to be tough, but, Again, I think the just the compete, the effort, the um, the way we played as a group there last week in Toronto. That's going to serve us well if we can uh, continue that. So it's it's not going to be easy, but definitely looking forward to it.
2: The first few games you guys played are on the road, and then strangely enough, you play six straight home games. That's sixty six percent of your home schedule right at the start of the year. How important is that block of games going to be the success of the Black Wolves this year? You think?
3: yeah it's just it means a lot I mean it's just uh I haven't even really had the chance to look at it that closely it's uh that's definitely interesting and i mean we we love playing at home um we're taken care of very well and um love our kind of home fans and 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 everything about the the mohegan sun, so really looking forward to that, but again, I think it's more game by game get off to to a good start and and just keep chipping away but uh can't wait to get to the mohegan sun.
2: What is Glenn Clark like as a head coach?
3: He he's he's awesome to play for. He obviously has a great knowledge of the game. Um he communicates very well. Um he he's pretty demanding, but um but in a good way and, and he holds everyone to a high standard and keeps us accountable. So um as a player you can't really ask for much more. So um all in all our coaches. So it's 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 fun to play for them. It's fun to show up to the ranking. and we've got a really good culture and, and group, so um, that's what, what uh, makes New England so fun to be a part of.
2: You've had, like many of us in lacrosse, with some great coaches along the way. Who would rank up there with, with some of your favorites all the time?
3: Uh, for me, like um, I'm I'm my kind of profession as a coach, so um, yeah.
2: I think um,
3: my whole life I've been coached by... Uh, Derek Keenan and um, again arguably the greatest coach of all time especially in the indoor game so look up to him and, and take a lot from him and then uh, Brody Merrill as well I know he's still playing in the game but um, he's the best leader I've ever been around and and take so much from him so those two guys um, along with my father who coached me a little growing up and, and that um, those are the people that I kind of uh, try to mold my lifestyle after my coaching career and, and, and playing wise as well.
2: Do you ever try and give Brody an extra chop for all the extra laps he made your run?
3: No, I, I stay away
2: from Brody, uh, <laughs>
3: he, he, he's tough as they come as well. He really can do it all. So, um, maybe a few
2: friendly chirps in the office, but other
3: than that, that's that's as far as I'll go with him.
2: You mentioned the office, you are part of the coaching staff, the Hill Academy. Obviously, big news. Uh, with a new campus coming in the future but how important is the hill academy to the growth of lacrosse not in canada but the professional game as well yeah i think it's
3: amazing kind of you look across the nll you look across the ncaa and all these professional leagues there's a lot of again alumni that have traveled through the school and um, obviously some pretty talented lacrosse, uh, lacrosse players but I think the biggest thing is just the the leadership and the character of of the kids and and the the guys that have come through the program. So I think it's all attributed to the Merrills and and the environment, the culture they've built. So I know we're super, super pumped to continue to grow and expand and uh, can't wait to see what the future holds for the school.
2: Are you guys still the best country on the continent? The
3: best country. in I mean, the
2: best team in the continent. We are the best country in the continent. But yeah, I mean, the hill, the again, best team. Um, again, I, I we, we've
3: got a great team year in year out. I, I think um, we've got some amazing players in that, so we're, we're definitely
2: working to to be there. Um,
3: so I hope so.
2: Is there ever going to be a day where we really have like high school championships across the country in Canada? Because it's still pretty isolated, Toronto, Ontario, and, and BC yeah it is and and
3: again, I know for a fact how hard uh Brody works at at the growth of the game and 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 kind of uh speaking to other coaches and and organizations and and to try to kind of organize and set these things up so I know that it's not for lack of effort but um we're we're gonna continue to push that and and uh pretty excited for for where the future is about to go.
2: Saskatchewan's up next. Uh, you guys will be heading out to Toontown pretty quick where where the weather's never really nice, but what kind of a battle do you expect against the Russians? Again, obviously they're they're a well oiled
3: machine. They they've got a lot of the guys, they've they've had a core group together for years now and, and they're well coached. They're gonna have a great game plan. They're it's their home opener and in, in front of that fan base, which is one of if if not the top in the league. So it, it's gonna be a battle. They're gonna compete and um, again, I think we've just got to come ready to play and, and and just build off last week. It was a great start for us, but hopefully, um, again, we we get better, improve from that, and be ready to go because we're we're facing a great team this weekend.
2: Two and would be a nice little break going into Christmas. Is it going to be spent with family back home?
3: Yeah, uh, finishing up uh,
2: finishing up at at the Hill Academy, finishing
3: work, and then get a nice little two weeks off. I'm actually going to go down to Florida with my family. So excited for a little um, little rest time before the new
1: year picks up.
0: That's Riley O'Connor of the New England Black Wolves. And yeah, family, holidays, a little festiveness coming up for everybody in the National Lacrosse League. But two more weeks to go before we get to the true holiday break. And for the Colorado Mammoth, they've been sitting at home since week one, just waiting and waiting and waiting to play their second game of the year. That won't come until next weekend when they take on the Calgary Roughnecks, who again will be without the services of Dane Doby until February as he serves that six-game suspension. However, week three is this weekend, and all four games go on Saturday night, another Friday without National Lacrosse League action. But the four games are all going to be good ones. Philadelphia, Georgia kicks things off at 7 o'clock Eastern time. Give me the Georgia Swarm. New England in Saskatchewan. New England's kind of got the rushes number, but playing at home is always going to be tough. But if I'm going to try and improve my record on anybody, we've got to kind of take a bit of a flyer. I'll take the Black Wolves over Saskatchewan. Vancouver Warriors on first responders night at Rogers Arena will host the New York Riptide. Again, it'll be a very emotional night for the Warriors family and for Chris Gill and his family. I think on a night like that, playing at home, a team that needs wins, Vancouver will come out with one of their best performances of the season. And I know it's still early, but this will be a huge game for them. And then the game of the week, Toronto-San Diego down in the sunshine. Both teams coming off very tough losses. I like San Diego at home. I think the Rock still need to find a little cohesion. I think Zach Mans is going to score his first NLL goal on the weekend. But I don't think it'll be enough. Give me the San Diego Seals. Georgia, Black Wolves, Warriors, Seals. That's who I'm taking. Before I go, I want to touch on expansion teams and the Riptide and Rochester, both teams having games in the books, first in franchise history. Riptide have yet to play at home. They will in a couple of weeks. But for Rochester and the Riptide, I think they have to Take this season game by game. And I have been on three expansion teams, or I was on three expansion teams in my career, and two of those teams went 1-15. in So I know what it's like to be a really bad expansion team. I also know what it's like to be an expansion team that just couldn't get a win, much like, say, Philadelphia last year. We were close in games but just couldn't find that final death blow in fourth quarters. Sure, the opening games for both those clubs weren't exactly as scripted. They struggled out of the gate. They looked slow. They looked behind the eight ball. They just weren't up to game speed. They weren't all ready. As the season goes along, it'll become quicker it will be more seamless they'll start to find that chemistry but it's not going to happen right away and even when i was watching that rochester game and i saw the nighthawks power play struggle i thought man you're putting a power play out there of all guys that have been in the nll before and played lacrosse for years and they can't score with an extra guy And sometimes I think that's just, that shouldn't happen. You have an extra guy, you should be able to score. Credit, they're playing some pretty good goaltending. But again, it just goes to show that no matter how much experience you have and how long you've been playing this game, when you get together with guys you're not familiar with, playing a new system and trying new things, it's going to take time. This New York team could probably beat the Anaheim team that was on, I was on that one went 1 and 15. Rochester could probably beat that Edmonton team that went 1 and 15. So, I don't think these are some of the two of the worst expansion teams we've ever seen. I think they're just new and trying to figure out where they stand as a team and as a unit you're going to get punched in the mouth more often than not as an expansion team. Not everybody is going to have success like Patrick Merrill and the Seals did last year. So let's pull back the reins a little bit. Let's not exactly write the tombstones quite yet. But being an expansion team is never easy. So I I wish all those guys a a fun-filled first season in the National Lacrosse League because there are times when it seems like nothing is going right. Everything is going the, the other way and into the back of your net. Calls aren't going your way. Bounces aren't going your way. It's never fun. But then you get times like Cam Bergman with four seconds left scooping up a faceoff after Calgary ties it, going down, beating a defender, taking a shot, hitting the goaltender, bouncing off Andrew Beer's legs and spinning across the line for the game winner with like 0.2 seconds left, and that's the only game you win. But that only game you win is the best feeling ever because you never think it's going to happen when you're starting the year at 0-12. So don't panic. Don't panic. Just keep with it. Keep focused on all the things that you know you can do and it will happen. Week three is going to be a doozy in the National Lacrosse League. All games on BR Live, and of course, Rush, Black Wolves, BR Live, Twitter, and Facebook. Thanks to Riley O'Connor. Thanks to my guy, Brett Hickey. And thanks to you, the listener, for tuning in once again here on SoundCloud, NLL Radio, Spotify, and the Lacrosse Flash. My name is Teddy Jenner at off the crossbar on Twitter teddy.jenner at gmail.com is the email where you can find me drop some knowledge let me know what's good until next time enjoy the games everybody and be excellent to each other I am an outfall